One. All right, we are at the Players Impact event in Chicago, Illinois All-Star Weekend here with Jordan Flegel and Jeff Volk. Fellas, how are we doing? Doing great. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. So the two are sharing the mic, so we're, we're working on their chemistry. But it's strong, so I'm confident. We'll start with Jordan. Jordan, what do you do? I'm the managing director of the Techstar Sports Accelerator. Techstars is a worldwide network that helps entrepreneurs succeed. They operate accelerators, among other things, accelerators all around the world. Um, I run the sports one dedicated to sports companies, and that is in Indianapolis. It's in Indy uh, because all our partners are there, powered by Indy. So it's the Indiana Pacers mm-hmm. um, and CAA itself, which is headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana yeah. Sports Corp, Indianapolis Colts, Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar, State of Indiana itself, the Next Level Fund. So those are our partners, and that's why we're there. But we're investing in early stage uh, sports companies, bringing them to Indy for three months, helping them try to accelerate from C to Series A. Um, and I am doing that because before I was a tech founder and CEO of a company called CoachUp, which is a marketplace for kids and coaches in sports, venture-backed in Boston. Um, and that went through Boston Techstars Accelerator. And the second startup I did was Draft.com. I was co-CEO with my friend Jeremy Levine, and that was in New York City, and that was a daily fantasy sports company that uh, we also raised venture for and sold in 2017. So I've done two uh, sports tech companies, and I'm now focused on finding the next founders of early-stage sports tech companies and trying to help them grow. Do you have a passion in helping people grow? Because you've built your own stuff, and now you kind of shifted to helping others grow. How did you end up landing on that? Uh, it was it, this accelerator, which we, we launched last year. Um, it, uh, it was something that was personal for me because I felt very grateful to Techstars for having taken a chance on me when I was a 25-year-old founder. I had no, really no clue what I was doing when I was starting my first company. And I always felt like if I had any success, um, I would want to pay that forward. So I've done that to date through angel investing. So I'm an angel in over 50 startups um, and advising some early-stage venture-backed startups. Um, but Techstars didn't have a dedicated sports accelerator. And so it's just very friendly with the people who run Techstars and obviously grateful to them. And, you know, we have a music accelerator and a blockchain and a fintech, and et cetera, but not a sports accelerator. So uh, right as I was getting out of my earnout after having sold Draft to Patty Power Bedfair, which then went on to buy FanDuel and merge all that together, um, I was thinking about what I would do next. And it was either travel Asia and get bored on a beach for a while or start another company or do some sort of investing, advising, mentoring kind of role. And so the opportunity to launch this thing and bring the accelerator into the world and try to help get it off the ground and make it happen, even though it's not a startup, it felt kind of like a startup and that it was mm-hmm. something I was kind of helping to create and get going. So I think that was part of the motivation as well. Awesome. And how do you know Jeff? We go back, I don't even know how we met. I mean, this Jeff's one of the uber super connectors in, in general in New York City in venture and, and tech, but especially in sports. And I'll let him talk about himself and all the things he's up to. But I don't even know. We, we probably know 100 people in common. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember how we first met? I don't remember how we first met, but I don't think that tech stars took that big of a risk in investing in a Jordan Flegel at 25 years old, because I would invest in a 25-year-old Jordan Flegel. I would invest in a 35-year-old Jordan Flegel. I would invest in a 45-year-old Jordan Flegel. We're at a 15-year-old Jordan It remains to be seen what a 45-year-old Jordan Flegel might look like. So, Jeff, tell us, what do you do? Day job, on the side, what have you built? Sure. Um, 
pretty much my whole career, I've been building digital media companies, largely media and technology companies in the sports and entertainment world, whether it be as an entrepreneur or as an intrapreneur. Uh, I've been on the league side, the agency side, the technology side, um, consulting side, and, and so on. I work for a company called Delta Trey. It's a 32-year-old uh, company based in Italy. We started with stopwatches at Formula One races um, and with people in the audience tracking goal kicks and corner kicks and red cards and yellow cards at UEFA Champions League matches and have evolved um, now where we're over 1,000 people all over the world. Um, we stream billions of hours of live sports content. Um, we have three main pillars. We build big OTT platforms, uh, so think NFL Game Pass International, um, WWE Network, and some others. Um, on the second platform, it's think of it as, as web and apps and um, content management systems or whatever they've evolved to become. We run NFL.com and all 32 teams, MLB.com and all the minor, and all, all the all the clubs, minor league baseball and so on, Olympic Channel and some others. And then our third business is our live business, and that's really how do we take any content or any video that lives, whether it be TV, online, or otherwise, take any data feed and allow better storytelling to, uh, whether it's through augmented reality, whether it's through visuals, to tell you the exit velocity of a baseball, the um, wind speeds of a, sail, of, a, of, a, of a sailboat, and, and so on and so forth. The, the, the bend of a soccer ball and awesome. everything else thereafter. So you've built a lot on digital media. XFL just launched. What do they need to do in that space to continue their sustained success from a nice week one? Um, I think they had a great week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything I've read, I, I wasn't there, um, but I've read quite a bit of, of, of the trades. Uh, I think they've gotten off to a great, great start. Um, many have tried to build uh, alternative leagues, whether it be flag football or spring leagues or mm-hmm. other types of things. Um, certainly the XFL is sustainability. They have significant capital. Um, other than that, I, I've never actually worked directly with them, but I, I know a lot of people that are there, and it's a great team, and they're smart, and I think they have the ability to build a, a great platform. Awesome. Um, by way of background, when I was... Um, Prior to joining Delta Trey, I was at Major League Baseball, MLB Advanced Media. Um, we um, started off, you have six months, you have 162 baseball games, you can build a lot of tech and a lot of bodies that know how to build things in the world of live streaming and stats and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started to take, almost like Amazon started off as a store, and started to get into web services because they were really good at hosting. We got really good at live video and a bunch of other things and started doing that for third parties. So. Um, MLB ran the streaming platforms for everything from NHL to WWE to PGA Tour Live and, and so on and so forth. So um, while I haven't worked with XFL, I've worked with WWE, and, and they're both backed by Vince McMahon and super smart teams. So, yeah, I've, I've been an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur pretty much uh, for just a couple more years than Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> What's an entrepreneur mean? to you because entrepreneur is flying around. Everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and a lot of people have succeeded doing that, but I haven't actually heard entrepreneur a lot, so I'm curious your take. Yeah, um, probably the best example that I can give you is um, when I joined the USTA, um, there wasn't a digital media team. We launched the USTA Advanced Media Group. Uh, we went, presented to the board, got $3 million in funding to launch the group and built an entire business within the USTA that launched every um, league, team, tournament, section, district, community tennis association, and so on. 
um, funded within a larger organization, but a startup within a larger organization. When I got to Athletes Performance, which is now called Exos, um, we launched a digital media team, again, with funding within a larger organization, but a startup entrepreneurial mentality within a larger organization. So for, for me, it's how do you be entrepreneurial and nimble and agile within a larger organization that's got bigger goals tied to that? I think it's a great way for a lot of people. They want to take that risk, but there's organizations who will kind of give them that chance. I think everyone is trying to figure out how do I enter various worlds, right? There was a, certainly a window where people had more money than they had time, and they needed to get into the digital space. Uh, and so there were opportunities to build mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Now, just about everyone, certainly in the sports world, which is why we're here, so I'll, I'll give you that as an example, um, sports is the one thing that people truly watch live. And most every rights owner, so leagues, federations, and so on, mm-hmm. and rights holders, so broadcasters, publishers, and so on, um, have some sort of platform around streaming or video or live and so on. And so starting from scratch, not really happening as often, but migrating tools within existing organizations to still be entrepreneurial, still be nimble, still build a business, still focus on revenues, still focus on building direct-to-consumer relationships and monetizing data and learning their customers and all of those things are entrepreneurial in nature, and there are companies that that's what they do as entrepreneurs. And if you can do that within organizations that allow you to leverage the assets of a league or of a broadcaster or of a technology company, then you're more of an entrepreneur. Makes sense. I want to swing it back to Jordan. The sports betting boom is big, and I believe sports betting is legal in Indiana now. It is? Yeah. Um, Is that a focus of you when you're looking for the next big company? Yeah, I mean, it's a category that we're looking at and we're open to. And also just my background of having spent some time in fantasy sports and sold to a sports betting operator. So it's a space I'm a bit familiar with. Um, so yeah, certainly fair game. It's something that we're looking for, an exciting space within sports. And I think it, it really comes out of data. So data and stats is you know a category that I kind of view a lot of the tools that are being built for betting, enabling betting activities coming out of you know, people would otherwise be building data stats companies or even consider what they're doing to be mm-hmm. data stats companies. So data stats, media, betting, all of that is very related. I think what you're seeing really high valuations for athletic and, yeah. and barstool yeah. um, is a direct result. And also, I think, fair to say, you know, our outcome, Vandal's outcome, I think DraftKings' recent success is a credit to betting uh, being decriminalized in the United mm-hmm. States and rolled out, right? Yeah. And if that hadn't happened, I think kind of the growth and valuations you're seeing in a lot of media companies and fantasy sites and, you know, other, obviously betting, but other companies that are tied to it. I think it's, it's certainly a growth space. So betting is lifting several related industries within sports and makes it, I think, a pretty exciting category to invest in right now. Do you think they kind of have the model overseas, right? Like England and Europe, they've all gone through this, the acquisition costs and all those different Mm -hmm. affiliates and all that. Do you see the U.S. kind of replicating that? Or do you think there'll be an innovator who comes up with a better way to take advantage and get people into their system? See what he did there? He said better, B-E-T-T-E-R, but he said it as though it was better, (laughs) B-E-T-T-O-R. I like what you did there. That was well played. I appreciate you picking yeah. up on that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, Patty Parr-Bedfair and William Hills of the world developed such strong competency in betting because it, mm-hmm. it was legal in Europe and it wasn't here outside of Nevada, right? And um, so they got really good at it. Um, Sportsbet is a company that uh, Patty Parr-Bedfair acquired, which is an online leader in Australia. And so 
just speaking about Petty Power Bedford because we sold them and know them well, but, you know, I could talk about William Hill and others mm-hmm. uh, in the same way, but developed really strong competency. And there's a lot that goes into it. And it's not just user interface and acquiring customers, um, but there's a whole risk and trading piece, right? And, um, and you know, they're at risk, right, of uh, being taken, right? So there's a lot, there's a lot of effort that goes that are super impressive. It's not, I don't think it's an easy thing to build a betting operator, a company. I mean, it's expensive to do. It's expensive to do uh, B2C, you know, uh, business anyway. Mm-hmm. You gotta obviously hire engineers and build a great product, but you also got it really expensive to acquire customers. In this space, it's super expensive to acquire customers. You also have to have state-by-state deals with land-based casinos, which is very expensive. Mm-hmm. And so um, long with it, I, I guess, to what you're getting at, but we're saying the European operators, of course, come to the United States. That was to be expected. Um, and they're trying to move as quickly as possible to acquire betters or potential betters, fantasy sports players of high propensity to be betters, as do you know, people who subscribe to other media sites, for instance, like Barstool. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a land grab as quickly as possible. And so anything they can do to get an advantage through partnerships, through, a, through M&A, um, it's something they're looking to do. Of course, you have the land-based casino operators here um, that want to try to figure out their own play. Um, I think Penn Nationals deal with Bars, for example, where they needed just not only distribution, but they also needed a brand um, that speaks to millennials and sort of future gamers. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think it, you know, it stands to benefit multiple parties. But in the U.S. online perspective, Vandal Group is strongest, DraftKings doing very well. Um, and uh, it's, it's competitive, it's a competitive space. But I think from a startup perspective, it's hard to, you're not gonna raise a seed in an A round and really separate yourself um, based on the quality of the product I think they're gonna build. We've seen some innovation, just different types of bets. Um, and I think if you get some initial traction and build up a customer base, more so than the product, just the customer base is very valuable. Um, so if you can quickly build a customer base one way or another, I think you have an opportunity to have a pretty good exit, and there's a lot of potential acquirers right now. Is that the angle for a lot of these operators? Is an exit, or is it to run a profitable business? Um, I think most startups are, perhaps. I mean, it's kind of a general answer, yeah. but you should, I think, try to build a business that's going to be a strong business and be profitable. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, good things happen. You have preserve optionality of running the business for a long time and growing it or selling or maybe hopefully someday going public. Or people who tend to build businesses just to flip them, those businesses tend to not work out that well. However, venture capital is not set up that way. Um, there's some, I know, push toward that now, um, just seeing you know, WeWork being a great example of that. But um, in general, venture capital, and I think it's a problem within the venture capital um, DNA of how funds are set up and how partners are incentivized, they want quick growth and quick outcomes. If you build a profitable business that you sell 20 years from now, um, could be okay for them, but it's not really the hope right. so much. So um, um, hopefully that'll that'll change because I think it's a problem for for LPs and funds. It's a problem for startups. So I, I, I think the same thing applies to betting, but you're certainly seeing a lot of people now think, okay, if I can quickly iterate on a product, if I can quickly acquire some users, I can flip it very, very quickly to a betting operator, and that will be true for some companies, but I think a lot will also fail in that. Makes sense. Well, Jordan, Jeff, thank you guys for coming on My Hustle Podcast, live from Chicago All-Star Weekend at Convene from the Players Impact. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, guys.